0: you know, to me, it's all, it's all about creating, you know, whether it's art or acting or my food, uh, all of that stuff. And then at Scratch Labs, you know, my favorite thing was, was sort of, I don't know, branding. I'm not sure if that's the right word for it. I think I I was the chief branding officer for some, some point of that. I'm not sure we were all just sort of making up titles back in the day. Um, doing, and everybody was doing everything. And, uh, but yeah, but the, the, the part I liked most about that was, was trying to create that brand and trying to, to sort of build this company into something that was more than just a company selling sugar and salt.
1: to the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey listeners, we are really excited to announce that we've got a new sponsor for the show, Crafted Energy. Crafted Energy is the first and only functional energy bar specifically built for cyclists. Each plant-based and clean label ingredient was chosen to support the unique nutritional needs of cyclists. They also make a bar specifically for runners and a bar specifically for climbers. Their bars not only focus on quick and sustained energy, but also include ingredients that naturally fight muscle soreness. Our listeners get 10% off their total purchase using Hotman as a promo code at checkout. Visit craftedenergy.com to learn more about their functional energy that's crafted c-r-a-f-t-e-d energy.com and the code is spelled hotman h-o-t-t-m-a-n i found these bars a while back they are made in phoenix arizona and i personally really love them really enjoy them they've got some brand new packaging that makes the bars a perfect fit for the back of a cycling jersey and they taste amazing. I also love the fact that they don't get all melty and gross in the wrappers when you're out trying to eat them on a bike ride or a run. So I hope that you'll check them out, take advantage of their discount, and we are so excited to have them on board as a new sponsor. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in to Maximum Enthusiasm today. It is late March 2020 The world has us all in a bit of a tailspin, and I have been reading and really savoring this fantastic book called The Gratitude Diaries by Janice Kaplan. I wanted to share a quote to start today's show off. She says, It is such a waste of mental energy to be furious that something isn't the way you want it to be. Fighting life is what causes problems. When you can accept life on life's terms, you pave the way for a measure of peace that you miss otherwise. She talks so much about the power of gratitude and the power of journaling daily or frequently in a week, three things that we're grateful for, especially before bed. She even talks about one of the experts that she interviews who suggests that you take pictures of things that you're going to later journal about as a action or a behavior that actually locks that gratitude confirmation into your brain by virtue of the physical action that you pair with it, which I really appreciate. Um, I've certainly adopted many of the practices in her book, and what I appreciated about it is that she tackles different topics per chapter. So she starts with her husband, she talks about her kids, she talks about money, she talks about appreciation of her job. She meets and interviews many experts across the world, frankly, in these areas, and it's just been really fun to, in this current time when it's tempting to focus on all the things that are going wrong focus on the things that remain for all of us to be grateful for. And the reality is that there's always, always something for us to be grateful for. And my guest today, I think, really exemplifies this. His name is Aaron Foster. I met Aaron years ago through an organization called People for Bikes. We took part in some of these bike rides where we would ride from, um, for example, uh, North Carolina into Atlanta or from Kansas City to Chicago. We did these ride-on Events and Aaron was a rider on one of those events through his history within an organization called Scratch Labs, which was the nutritional provider and sponsor of these rides. Scratch Labs is based here in Boulder, Colorado. You'll hear him talk about how it was founded with two of his uh, other business partners, Ian and Dr. Alan Lim. And the company has gone on to enjoy some significant success, and even more, it's really redefined sports nutrition and especially sports hydration. I've been a Scratch Labs user and consumer since the company first came out. In fact, I was lucky enough to be one of the athletes who got to try some of the secret drink mix back when it was super secret before Scratch officially launched. Um, Big believer in the company, and you can visit them at scratchlabs.com. That's spelled S-K-R-A-T-C-H, labs.com. Um, You're going to hear from Aaron how he's gone from selling furniture to making art to being an actor to now running a restaurant in Reno, and the restaurant is a fairly new endeavor for him, and in fact, he says he started it uh, about six weeks ago was just starting to gain some traction, and then this coronavirus thing hit our country and is really devastating, especially to the food and beverage industries, as they've all been ordered to close their doors in light of social distancing and health mandates. So he's still offering takeout with pizzas, and while it would be really, really easy to get super frustrated and super down, and I'm sure that there are moments when he's both, I'm certainly not saying that he's candy-coating the situation, but... What you'll hear from Aaron on today's show is that he's still focused on the things that he's grateful for, and he's still really appreciative for the opportunity to perfect his art and this fairly newfound love he has of cooking things from scratch. Um, He mentions flour tortillas numerous times during the show, and I just love that something so simple, something that takes four ingredients to make brings him so much joy, and I suspect would bring many of us joy. So we're going to post that recipe that he talks about as well as his video on how to make them. We can make our homework for all of us to experiment with making flour tortillas, but it's just a beautiful reminder to slow down, focus on what really matters, focus on the simplistic, beautiful things in life that really make it worth living, and to get back to an appreciation for food prepared intentionally and beautifully and on purpose with love and um, intended to fuel us and make us the best, healthiest people we can possibly be. So tune in for this episode about Erin Foster, um, someone that I really respect and admire and someone that I think you'll find a lot of energy and encouragement from, also a lot of reality and just authenticity as well. You can check out more about Aaron at his website, AaronFoster.com, and I hope that if you're ever in Reno, Nevada, you will give his restaurant Food and Drink a try. Whether it's now or in the future, I've no doubt that he will continue to gain traction in that local community there and that his food will continue to fill people with love and appreciation and um, just a sense of healthy and beautiful living. So thanks for tuning in. Hope this finds you doing well wherever and whenever you're listening to it. Sending lots of love and maximum enthusiasm to everyone out there now and always. Have a great day, friends. All right, so here we go. I am kicking off this week, this Monday, with my guest, Aaron Foster. Welcome to Maximum Enthusiasm, Aaron.
0: Hey, thanks, Megan. Thanks for having me.
1: Aaron, it is March 23rd, 2020, and we are in the midst of this coronavirus madness, and well, you I'm are running. Oh, right. I know. I hate to be the one to break it to you. <laughs> There's this thing <laughs> yeah. that's happening. I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> um, yeah, these are crazy times, and I feel compelled to use this podcast to just bring information and inspiration to people as much as we possibly can. So, you are calling us from Reno, Nevada, where you are a restaurateur. So let's talk first about your business. What do you do there?
0: Sure. Uh, I moved to Reno about two years ago in order to open a restaurant and, uh, It's just called Food and Drink, and we specialize, well, we used to specialize in pizza and tacos. Sort of. um, It's a hard word for me to say without sounding, uh, feeling uh, like a jackass, but I guess artisanal would be the best way (laughs) to to say it, and I I make pretty much everything uh, from scratch. I make my own flour tortillas and make my own sour cream, make my own pizza Mm. dough, obviously, and all that kind of stuff. So the idea was was really to make as much as possible from scratch and to do this kind of... um, uh, you know, just to make everything as, as yummy as possible, right? That's the goal. And so now uh, in the new mm-hmm. world, we've switched over to, to take out pizza only for, for the moment.
1: And if someone was to say, Aaron, what is your specialty there at food and drink, what would your answer be with with you operating on a normal menu kind of basis?
0: Uh, Sure. Well, a normal menu, I mean, there's really only a couple of things on the menu. So it's the idea is I'm not – I don't – there's a few things that I have spent a lot of time and money sort of trying to – perfect which also sounds obnoxious but not at uh, all to, to make something good enough that I feel okay and justified in, in charging a person money for so it's a pretty limited menu like I do five or six pizzas I basically do two tacos I do a pork taco and a veggie taco and then I do desserts but one of um one of those desserts is a, is a liege waffle that I, I again make from scratch and those are, those
1: are wow crazy. Those are pretty good. Wow. So right now we're focused on takeout pizzas and what is your top seller right now in the pizza realm?
0: That is such a weird thing. Cause I only have, like I said, I think six pizzas, but like one night it's, it's all one, it's all this, like, uh, we sell tons of what I call the fig and pig, which is, uh, oh, yum. the prosciutto, balsamic glaze, arugula and asiago. Uh, and just, I do, I, my dough is like a 72 hour dough. So it's, it's, um, it's a whole process. That's a super yummy one. And then, uh, you know, some nights it's, it's what I call a Tony's NYC, which is uh, named after Tony Gemignani, a big pizza guy in San Francisco and one of the top guys in the world who taught me how to make pizza five or six years ago, and that's uh, pepperoni, spicy sausage, garlic, and oregano. So that's kind of your standard sort of a right little bit more traditional pizza, but it's a nice, really spicy uh, sausage that we sell a lot of those too.
1: Well, I want to talk about how this came to be, but first, how can people <laughs> find you? What is the restaurant website and or phone number?
0: It's, uh, the restaurant website is foodanddrinkreno.com. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we're on social media on uh, both Facebook and Instagram as thefoodanddrink.one.com. Thefoodanddrink.com. You and drink. Uh, and that's, okay. that's kind of where I've been putting a lot of my efforts to social media to try to reach out to people and let them know that we're here, we're still here, we're still making food, and uh, you can come by and we have it set up pretty well. You don't have to, you know, it's curbside, you don't have to get out of your car or anything like that. You can just order everything cool. online and, uh, you know, right at your specified time, you order by like, hey, it's I want 7.15 tonight, I want two pepperoni pizzas, and mm. I'll get that order and they go right out the door at 7.15.
1: Right on, Aaron. And yes, I've been watching on social media, on Instagram, the <laughs> selfie videos that you're making, sort of this day in the life of this restaurateur and this current age that we're living in. And I think it's really authentic. And I think it's wonderful what you're posting there and just sharing the trials and tribulations of a restaurateur trying to make it in these uncertain times. But uh, it also seems that your product and your restaurant is really well received by your local community. And I'm guessing that some thought went into establishing yourself there in Reno. How did that come to be that that was your location?
0: Reno came about um, not certainly not randomly, but I for so I moved here a little over two years ago. But two years before that, I moved to from Boulder to a little tiny town in the mountains of California called Gray Eagle, which is a place where I grew up going camping and uh, spending a lot of time as a kid, and kind of re- got reacquainted with it as, as an adult. And it's still exactly the same, but. Uh, when I left Boulder and left Scratch Labs, I was looking for, like, a small mountain town to open a little restaurant in and kind of see uh, see if it was really hard, as, as hard as everyone said. Uh, and? Business. And uh, it's harder. Um <laughs> <laughs> but it was a really sort of low-risk way to do that because it was an existing restaurant, a very small space in a very, you know, inexpensive town that's really very busy from Memorial Day to Labor Day and then very, very not busy. So uh. I had a little place out there, which was the first time I'd ever even worked at a restaurant, and I did my pizzas and my tacos out there and uh, just decided I wanted to do it in a, in a bigger market and for a lot of reasons, which is to, to see if, if, you know, the, the food was really as, as good as I thought it was and if people would like it or not and if I could create this space where people could you know come together and and hopefully um the goal is kind of to to, for people to be surprised at like oh i didn't i didn't like i've never had a flour tortilla from scratch and have people have that reaction and and be able to be present for that like i didn't know because that's what happened to me i took this cooking class six seven years ago uh one of the things we learned how to make was flour tortillas from scratch i had never had one before i made it and i ate it and i was like okay so my whole life is a lie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why am I eating cardboard made in a factory two thousand miles from here two months ago? Um, right, right. You know, and I I don't think I've eaten one since. But uh, so it was. It's. It's the goal was to sort of try to try to find the people that would have that similar reaction than I did. Of like, oh, I didn't know this could taste this good. That's really the the whole thing. But I was out there for two years, about an hour. So I was in Reno a lot because it's an it's an hour from here. Okay. And, um, so, I got to know Reno a little bit, but I would come in at least once a week for sort of supplies and things like that. And then I started poking around larger markets to move to. Um, one of the places I went was Boulder. Went back to Boulder. I have a lot of friends there and poked around there and found uh, no houses for under $800,000 no, and no. a former subway sandwich shop that was 600 square feet that was $6,500 a month. Oh. So, I and you know, Boulder has a ton of great food, has a ton of great pizza and tacos, sure. and so um, doing it in a place like Reno that is close to this place that I love, but is also too small, Gray eagle, um, and too lonely. Uh, it just, it, it all kind of came together. I, I found a house and a place to rent, although that didn't end up working out, all within about twenty four hours, and then I bought the house, and, and, and here I was. So,
1: right so, on. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Now you you referenced, um, there's a bunch of good stuff in there that I want to go back and <laughs> dig into. I feel uh, like I'm rambling
0: uh, on like a crazy person. No,
1: no, I love it. And that's exactly the whole purpose of the show, is just these origin stories are always so much more fascinating and interesting than we think. You know, many of us just think that someone like yourself just always knew you wanted to be a chef or always knew you wanted to own a restaurant. And then, of course, as you just alluded to, your path to being a restaurant owner was was definitely not that straightforward or that clear. And you've just pursued passions as you've learned new things. And just the fact that, you know, homemade flour tortillas would launch you on this new trajectory <laughs> is so cool. I just really appreciate that. Um, but you alluded to the fact that you left Scratch Labs. And so I did want to start part of the story there that you were one of the co-founders of Scratch Labs, which many athletes and especially cyclists are familiar with. So when did that company really start and what was your role in it
0: that company started in I think sort of technically 2010 2011 I, it's all a little uh, blurry at this point um, but that you know Alan uh, dr. Alan Lim was my college roommate uh, back in the day at UC Davis undergrad and uh, you know he he always said even then like I'm gonna train athletes for the Tour de Francie Olympics and uh, I love it and that's what he ended up doing so yes. uh, and then at some point, maybe two thousand nine, two thousand ten, he had sent me. He had been making, working with the Garmin professional team, and and uh, you know, I know a lot of people sort of know the story, but he created essentially a, a drink mix for them because they were complaining about their sponsors and whatnot. And he'd sent me some just because he knew I was still riding and all. And um, the secret I drink
1: mix. Yeah, yeah, at that time
0: it was known as secret drink mix, and a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of riders in the peloton were using it sort of uh, secretly. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like a sort of genius, brilliant marketing lie, but it actually was true. Yeah, um, that all these you know. Teams were sort of dumping out their sponsored product and and using the stuff that he was just making in hotel rooms all over the all over the world really but he sent me some and i was in la at the time um well, had been in L.A. pursuing acting, but had sort of hit my limit with uh, rejection and whatnot. And, uh, (laughs) you know, he sent me some, and I said, you know, what are you doing with this? And he said, well, this company wants to buy it. And I I said, you know, I've got time. You know, can I come out there, and, like, what if we started our own company? So that conversation went on for about six months, actually, until eventually one day he did call me and um, say, yeah, let's do it. And so I moved out there, you know, the next two or three days later, maybe something like that. And uh, that was how that started, yeah.
1: Right on. Yeah, Scratch Labs has really become well-known among athletes and cyclists as the drink mix that can keep you hydrated and have great electrolytes without being too sweet and without causing that stomach uh, discord that so many of the other sports drinks are known for. And it's really, you know, branched out from just the drink mix, obviously, into other products. But was that the start of where your curiosity around, you know, healthy food and cooking from scratch began?
0: Yeah, it really was. It was, it was not initially there. Um, Alan's definitely a good cook and would like to have people over at home, but it, <laughs> it didn't, um, it's not that it didn't take. I just didn't pay that much attention to it uh, for a while. But once I did, and I think, I think it really, again, it goes back to that flour tortilla of I had, I had definitely appreciated good food, but I didn't think there was any way that I could make it. Mm, uh, I thought it was this sort of secret, you know, you go to secret chef school or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and then ultimately, it turns out all you're willing to do is follow a good recipe and use good ingredients. And it's, uh-huh. not, uh, it's not nearly as hard as, as you might think, certainly not nearly as hard as I thought it was. So yeah, Al, you know, definitely turned me on to some good food and, and uh, you know, different, different ways of eating, which was great. And then it just kind of was a natural progression from there, I think.
1: Well, and, and even more so, you're drawn specifically to cooking things from scratch, and there are all different types of chefs and different types of food prep and assembly, but you, you're an athlete, you're a cyclist, and you're a healthy human in general. But what is, the, what is that attraction or that fascination with cooking from scratch that really stole your heart?
0: it just tastes better i mean i just sure. a bit short answer i apologize but it's just like it just tastes yeah, better yeah sure and and like if you could do that why wouldn't you i mean if you you know if i can make someone again like not to go back to this flour tortilla but like take one out of a package and make one take it off the pan you know i made mean, it with like organic flour and like legit lard and like really made well and it's i mean it's there's just no reason to eat the other one ever again unless unless i mean unless you don't have any choice but Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's the, the biggest thing is that it tastes better, and and there's a little, you know, somewhere between uh, four and forty percent of like uh, being obnoxious and being, uh, you know, thinking that makes me cooler if I make everything from scratch, even though it's a gigantic pain in the ass.
1: Well, but isn't that really part of the actual enjoyment of it? Is that I mean, you get you get down to the absolute basics and to the foundation of food and sometimes when we strip away the complexity and we get back to the essence of the thing, that's where the real, the real joy and enjoyment comes from. I think, don't, don't you think that that's really what draws you to it?
0: I do. Yeah, I do. I think that's a huge part of it for sure. Um, that to, to sort of understand these things that you've been eating your whole life from a different standpoint of whether, like, whether that it doesn't have to come out of a package or that it is something that you can make super easy on your own. I mean, this, For anybody that knows anything about about cooking, this seems probably pretty simple, but for a guy at, like, maybe when I was 35, 36, roasted a chicken for the first time, and then it came out and it was delicious, I was like, oh, like, (laughs) I didn't, I thought there was a lot more to it than that, Mm -hmm. Um, sort of, like, being afraid Mm -hmm. of, you know, roasting a whole chicken. Sure. And I've been lucky to find good recipes, and, uh, I mean, that's really how I learned, is, like, if, if I have something that really... I like, oh, this, okay, how do I make this? Then I'll I'll find a recipe and I'll make it. And then if it's not as good as the one I had that sort of sent me looking for that, then I'll find another recipe and I'll find another recipe and sort of go until I get something that's close. And then eventually over time, you know, it gets tweaked a little bit more and more with my own preferences, but it's certainly not where it starts. I mean, everything that I make is something that I stole from somewhere else.
1: Well... Um, you can call it that, but sure. I mean, it's sort of always an experiment and process. And, I, you know, I don't know you super well, though we've known each other from similar circles for quite some time. And I would say that my observation of you in the different areas where I know you is that you are curious and you're also very creative and artistic. And um, and I think probably that's a fair assessment given your background in sport as well as in acting. And then one thing we haven't talked about yet is your license plate art. You make these really amazing pieces of work from license plates. I own one of Big Green Bicyclist. And I love it. I just love (laughs) it. Yeah. And um, I don't remember in what order I began to learn all these things about you, but you start to put them together and you start to see this picture of a person who's got this really creative mind and also super inquisitive and also, my impression of you is that you like to do things well. Um, Aaron is not the guy that does things half-ass. At least that's my impression.
0: I I think that's accurate, and I will qualify in the, in the sense that there's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't do at all. So I don't want to I don't want that to come across like I, everything I do. I, you know, I, I, I <laughs> like I do everything great. I don't. I just I try to the few things that I do do. I, I really try to do as well as I can. Yeah. That's really important to me.
1: Yeah. Um, No, I I think that's an appreciable trait. I think that's a good thing is, is whatever you're going to do that you do it well. And if you can't do it well, then you're not going to do it. And I, I I mean,
0: I, it's a weird thing because there are, there are other parts of my life that I have done and have not done well. And then I was like, I don't know, did I, did I choose to, 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 to quit on that or, or (laughs) what, but you know, I think you just pick your battles and, and certainly, um, you know, cooking was not something that I was great at initially. So, uh, yeah, I think it's important for me to do things well, but also to, to try to. I also get a little bit of extra kick, probably more than I should, out of trying to do things a little bit differently. Uh, I like, love what that. Are, what, are, what are those guys doing? Okay, let's not do that, and uh, let's see what else we can do. But that works. Do over it. There. Yeah. Eh, let's- I want to do
1: it differently. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. I mean, that's, that's great. That,
0: that's a plus and a minus, right? It's, it's a, That's a pro <laughs> and a con. Sometimes it's like, there's a reason everybody does it that way. You
1: know? Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> some sure. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Sometimes the desire to be different can just mean that uh, you're overcomplicating yeah, something. That's
0: true. I've gotten a little bit better at sort of accepting <laughs> that it's okay to not do everything upside down, backwards.
1: Um, oh, that's great. Well, and as we talked before we started, you, you've you been a serial entrepreneur and business owner and in some form of working for yourself since, I believe you said, your mid-20s. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was um, pretty much just out of college. I worked for one year as a substitute high school teacher, which convinced me that I didn't want to be a high school teacher. Okay. And. Uh, then I ended up, it's, I mean, it's sort of a random story, but long story short is I ended up uh, starting with my business partner, Margot a wholesale home furnishings company. That was not really anything I even knew existed as, a, as an industry, you know, a year before. But I kind of ended up in this office and met her. She was also working there in the same, same business. And um, we just got along really well and decided to start this business and, you know, moved out to Atlanta and opened a showroom and got into wholesale home furnishings. Yeah, which is pretty random.
1: I did not know this part of your past oh, okay God. <laughs> okay so then where does the acting come in when did that start
0: oh the acting the acting I mean acting is really the only thing I ever really wanted to do with my life but um I was too afraid to uh, you know I was too afraid to go out to the for the high school play let alone you know up and move to LA for you know I moved to mm-hmm. the 30 32 33 um, which is my favorite line in LA I have a handful of them but an agent looked at me and he looked at my headshot and he's like how old are you and this, I was at the time I was 30 35. He said, "Yeah, it's pretty much over for you." Um, so, yeah, thanks a lot, pal. Uh, um, it was a good. It was a, it's a nice little LA cliche moment, but um, you know that that came after, yeah, after the wholesale home furnishings, and then I sort of fell back into this art career, kind of very unexpectedly, and then uh, that had been going for about a year and doing well. And I thought, okay, well, it's now or never. Uh, I have this job that that you know is is making me decent money, and I'm I'm not tied anywhere and I don't have to move to LA and have five roommates and work four jobs and stuff like that so uh, that seemed like a good time to to give that whole acting thing a shot finally
1: and given what you just shared about your sound like just a tinge of regret that you didn't (laughs) go out for acting sooner even in high school but then you finally did just say screw it I'm going for it when I'm in my mid-30s you know, with hindsight, of course, the benefit of that, what advice would you give your younger Aaron self and maybe to those out there listening who are wanting to try something but can't quite get themselves to do it?
0: Oh, my God. Um, That's really hard. And it's something I think about a lot because on the one hand, I think if I had moved to Los Angeles at 19, I probably would have lasted two weeks. (laughs) So, you know, I think, you know, you, you do things when you're ready, but you're ready. Sure before you know you're ready um and where when in the times when you do take those leaps uh, i think in retrospect you can look back and be like yeah i didn't think i was ready but i did it and it turns out that it was it was okay or that it wasn't tragic at least um it's hard i mean it's so it's so easy and and to to just see like chase your dreams and and you know don't worry about anything else but it's it's hard man it's it's really hard to I mean, I know, you know, I have a lot of friends that look at my life and like, oh, you started all these different businesses and you move around and every couple of years, you're, you know, four or five years, you're doing a whole different thing. And and a lot of that um, is just because I I couldn't figure out anything else to do. Um, So, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Of course, chase your dreams because what else is there?
1: Yeah. Oh, I like that.
0: I mean, well, it, it, and is it really
1: true that you couldn't figure out what else to do when you said you move around every five years? Or is it just that you're giving yourself the opportunity to pursue these new things and as they come up and you find yourself more and more intrigued, you're giving yourself permission to see where it goes, which I think many people are too afraid to do. They'd rather just stay in the certainty of the known thing, the current oh. thing, even if they're not happy. And I guess my observation of your life from the outside looking from the outside looking in is that, yeah, this guy does chase the thing that lights him up and it's okay if it doesn't light him up forever. If it's just for a few years and then it's time to try something else, I think that's admirable, not something that I would think poorly of.
0: Well, good. That's great. <laughs> well, <you>. good. Well, <laughs> good.
1: Good. I'm glad we established that.
0: <laughs> no, I, yes. I most of the time I am in that mindset, and then sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know. What if I had stuck with this? What if I had stuck with that? But sure. no, my life has been been quite an adventure, you know, and it covered a lot. I mean, from wholesale home furnishings to acting to art to you know uh, sports nutrition to restu- restaurant restaurant. Uh, it's all that's kind of and All over the place. So no, I feel super fortunate to sort of had all these different adventures and explored all these different avenues of, of, um, you know, to me, it's all, it's all about creating, you know, whether it's art or acting or my food, uh, all of that stuff. And then at Scratch Labs, you know, my favorite thing was, was sort of, I don't know, branding. I'm not sure if that's the right word for it. I think I, I was the chief branding officer for some, some point of that. I'm not sure we were all just sort of making up titles back in the day. Sure. Um, and everybody was doing everything. And, uh, but yeah, but the the, the part I like most about that was was trying to create that brand and trying to, to sort of build this company into something that was more than just a company selling sugar and salt, right? That we were uh, that we had a personality and a point of view, and that we were you know uh, you know good people, I think, but also like had a sense of humor about ourselves and about the world, and so creating those things again from scratch, I, I like because it gives you so much opportunity to not play within the within the rules and within the, the sort of square box that came before because, you know, you're you're new and you're small and uh, you might not have anything to lose and you sort of, you can come out of the gate in, in, in any way you want. So that's been really fun for me, uh, you know, to do over and over again and in a lot of different ways, right? Like my restaurant, it's called Food and Drink. That's a little weird. I do pizza and tacos. That's a little weird. I make everything from, from scratch. Like that's, you know, I mean, obviously there's plenty of restaurants that do that, but um the menu is very, very limited. And, and, and I say, and I don't say this, to Try to, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's, it's like if it's not on the menu, it's not on the menu. And, and I, the only stuff that's on the menu is things that I, you know, am excited that, that to make for you and think that you'll be impressed by I don't want to make you something that's going to be lousy. I think I just right. got like seven different tangents. I'm sorry.
1: No, no, that was actually that was actually <laughs> fabulous. I enjoyed every second of that. In the, in the, and uh, what I heard in there was this, um, this happiness that Aaron experiences when he gets to be scrappy and when he gets to be different, and I really appreciate that. And I think, especially in this current um, situation that we're living in right now, where this coronavirus has taken everything in our existence and kind of turned it on its head, it's really a wonderful opportunity for people to start thinking outside the box in all areas of life, whether it's business ownership or even just you know working from home or redesigning how we do life. And I think there's a lot of excitement and potential in that, although it's very, very difficult right now. Um, Yeah, I think
0: you better be thinking outside the box right now. Yeah, Um, yeah. Obviously, it varies industry to industry, but I I certainly am, you know, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much all in on the restaurant. Of course, all the stories you hear, it takes twice as long and costs three times as much, like totally accurate. Uh, I thought by the time I opened, I thought I would have opened a year ago. I thought I would have had, you know, a nice chunk of my nest egg left, and I don't you know, I just opened, I opened six weeks before this hit and mm. uh, just starting to get a little bit of money coming in, you know, rather than going out sort of stem mm-hmm. the tide. And like, all right, so now we work really hard for a couple of years and we can, we can make this work. And then this thing hits and it's yeah. like, okay, do I walk, do I just walk away? Like now cut my mm. losses and call it a day or do we dig in and see what we can do here? So, uh, so far we're digging in and, uh, every day you got to kind of wake up and look at the world and, and and see what's happening and see if that still makes sense, I think. But yeah, anybody right. thinking outside the box right now is going to be in trouble in yes. a couple of days or a couple of months or you know whatever, because there's right. a lot of industries that are going to die in the next six months and a lot that are going to be born. So,
1: Right, right. Yeah. The old way of thinking is, is no longer going to serve us. And along those lines, let's talk about a few things that you are doing, understanding that you are taking this on a day-to-day basis and a week-to-week basis. I understand that this is a moving target right now, but Um, I know that you have posted up a few videos, like I said, on Instagram earlier, you've also got some YouTube, um, cooking videos, which we're going to link to you're doing carry out at the curb. You are selling gift cards. Um, people can find you at AaronFoster.com, and we can also link to your, um, art there as well as food and drink. What are other ways that people can get involved with you in this journey that you're on right now and, and even potentially support you in this?
0: Oh my goodness. Uh, I don't know. yeah, I think following along on social media is is definitely the best way. One thing I, I, I have been doing a little bit is I, I got a couple of donations which sort of feels a little bit odd to me but um, what I feels I've good too though, it does. Well, it's it's yeah. incredibly kind, and, and and I'm what I'm doing is just turning those into gift cards for for local service workers here, um, having our customers and people that follow us are sort to of nominate their favorite, uh, you know, barista or waitress or something like that. So you know, it's not a lot, but um, maybe a couple of pizzas, you know, takes the edge off for the night, and then uh, sure. Through the next day, but yeah, I, I you know I wish I had uh, you know I wish I had some T-shirts or something to, to no, talk, all good to, to your people. But um, it's just you know I, I've had some ideas for things like that and sort of how uh, I mean this is I don't know what this is is selfish I guess of how, how to sort of sell more than just pizza out of here right now because uh, I'm not sure that's going to make it for the rent in, right. in the big right. picture. But uh, I just don't have any time because I'm kind of. You know, I'm sort of self-contained with it. It's just me and my parents that are sort of doing this, and uh, I'm not. You know, I'm have I have my staff. They're sort of laid off, and I'm I'm paying yep. them a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm paying them a, a bit, but not a lot. But I, I just you know, in the in the interest of sort of keeping uh, keeping as safe as possible, uh, yep. there's nobody allowed in the restaurant. So um, right. Anyway, so there hasn't been a lot of time for uh, coming up with swag, I guess. let's put Sure, it that way. sure.
1: Well, <laughs> then let's talk about the other thing. I know you've got this lot of, I believe you said 18 pieces of art that you've made and is available for um, pretty smoke and good deals right now. Is that right? I
0: do, yeah. So my biggest client for my artwork for the last five or six years, uh, unfortunately, just canceled on Friday an 18-piece order that oh. um, obviously has been paid for. And my guy who works for me has been working for me for more than 10 years and is a wonderful human being, has got his 200 hours into these pieces. Oh boy! So it's uh, it's a little it's bad timing. Uh, let's say I mean oh it's something I knew it was coming, yes. I knew it was coming, and I thought maybe we could get them shipped out uh, before we got the cancellation, but we did not. And so I have these pieces, and uh, I'm going to be putting them on my website for um, yeah. It's uh, you know they're going to be about a thousand bucks, but they're normally about twenty four hundred. So thousand cool. bucks on art right now, I realize is is not for everybody, but um, if you're interested, check it out. And uh, yeah.
1: It's really That's deep. one more way to help you sustain food and drink and sustain, um, this new, this new endeavor that you're in. And so, yeah, we'll send people to Aaron Foster. It's A-A-R-O-N foster.com. And will there be photos of those 18 pieces posted on there? And can they order them from you online?
0: Yeah, you can order online. Oh. There'll be photos up. And, and really what they are, just in case anyone's wondering, is there a, it's a license plate map of the United States. So every state is cut out of an actual license plate from that state into the. It's like a giant jigsaw puzzle made with rusty metal. It's great. It's um, super cool. But it's, it's, uh, it's a neat cool. piece, and it's kind of been uh, the center of my art. It's, that's the first thing I ever made uh, almost 20 years ago that kind of launched my whole career as an artist. So it's, um, it's a fun piece that people really like. So if you're interested in one of those, hit me up.
1: All right. That sounds good. And um, for those people who are home and perhaps getting into cooking a little bit more, I've actually seen a lot of this online, which makes me really, really happy because people are slowing down right now working from home, involving the kids in meal prep, and actually just getting a little bit more curious about food and um, trying to feed families with healthier food to try and stay healthy. What would be a recipe that you'd love to tee up and just talk us through a little bit here on the podcast, and then we'll post the actual recipe on Maximum Enthusiasm as well? What's something good for the family to be cooking up at home right now?
0: Oh my goodness! I mean, you know, it's always my go-to, and uh, you know, we've talked about already. But the flour tortillas—they're so easy to make, and uh, okay, cool. Probably have uh, most of the ingredients. Um, There's only four ingredients, and it's pretty straightforward. Um, All right. It's flour. I prefer bread flour, but all-purpose flour is totally fine. And then uh, either some kind of a fat source like lard or shortening, uh, butter, something like that. Okay. I made them with bacon fat before, but lard or shortening is definitely the easiest uh, easiest way to go. And then water and salt. So um, mm. we can uh, we'll put, like I, you can post the recipe. I can't like it's a, it's a, a pound of flour, a cup of warm water, um, eleven grams of salt, and um, four ounces of lard or shortening that's uh, okay. I gave you metric imperial and uh <laughs> cool all right
1: <laughs> so all the math magicians at home can wrap their head around that that's all right that's all right
0: <laughs> but uh and it's, it's just really easy to make right you mix the flour and the lard together until it's all uniform and then you mix the salt and the water together and then you pour the water salt water into the thing and uh, mix it all up into one big ball and then portion it out into whatever size you know tortillas you want to make it takes a little practice but it's flour and shortening like it's not you're not throwing away 25 bucks every time you make something sure like 12 cents so you can do a little practice and uh you know you just roll them out with a rolling pin or a wine bottle or something like that and throw them on a hot pan okay they i i actually have a video of those online but there's a ton of videos of homemade flour tortillas and i Everybody that I know that's done it and made them at home has never bought one in a package before. So
1: I love it. it I massive. love it. And what is your current, you know, just today, just tonight's Aaron Foster palette? If you were to make one right now, what would you throw in your tortilla?
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, um, I mean, that's a whole process because it's like, all right, my pork <laughs> is like 12 to 14 hours. Sour cream takes 24 hours to make. It's like I, for tonight, tonight I'd probably go breakfast taco. Okay. Uh, I do a little differently. I don't put the like potatoes. I don't understand the potatoes in the breakfast taco. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not impressed. Um,
1: <laughs> okay. What I, do you like to put in yours?
0: I do scrambled eggs. Uh, uh-huh. I, use, uh, I use an immersion blender on, which gets a lot of air in there, keeps them nice oh. and fluffy, uh, as opposed to just a whisk or a fork. Gentlemen, don't use a fork. Okay. A okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> And then I throw, uh, I I'm a, I do the pepper jack cheese, but like just jack cheese in general. The water content is good. You're not going to end up with the the watery eggs. And uh-huh. uh, and then I do bacon, I do sausage, something like that, and avocado, and then just the, the tortilla and some hot sauce. So you know, pretty straightforward. But um, again, it's the flour tortilla that that really makes makes all the difference, in my opinion.
1: And just the quality of the ingredients. And as you said, the fresher, the better. And uh, what is what is Aaron Foster's favorite hot sauce? I'm just curious because I've been experimenting with a few lately.
0: Oh, my God. I use... Um... You know what I use? I have tried to make some a handful of times, and I, I use this really, really uh, inexpensive uh, valent, Valentina. I think it's called Valentina, Valentine? Valentina. I honestly don't know, but it's like a okay. Hispanic grocery kind of place. You get it. That's um, what I had over in Europe at all these great Mexican places I ended up finding in both in Paris and Barcelona, which, I oh, know not Bar- Yeah, Paris, Barcelona, and Girona. I found these all hole-in-the-wall little Mexican places, and they all used... Uh, Valentina which I thought was odd but so that's why I use it at my place
1: yep and you're right it is Valentina I just looked it up and it uh it's described as thicker than Tabasco sauce and less vinegary with more chili flavor so there we go I like it I like it uh Aaron it's been so good to catch up with you and I just want to wish you the best of luck with your restaurant endeavor I know that these are not easy times and we're just taking things as they come, but I hope that you'll keep us posted and we'll have links to your restaurant, to your license plate art, to your YouTube videos, to scratch collabs. Absolutely. Um, where can we find a little snippet of your acting? Is that online anywhere?
0: Oh boy! You know it's funny. I moved to Reno and I've actually done more acting in the last two years—more uh, real acting than I ever did in L.A. Um, I have a couple of shorts out there and I did a feature, but they're kind of making the rounds of the film festivals. So you oh, can nice. see some nonsense on my uh, on my YouTube page, but that's that's pretty much nonsense. Um, but I'm, I. I think just Aaron Foster, right, you know, and okay. YouTube. I've got my all my restaurant stuffs going up there as well. So, perfect. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of that.
1: So, Aaron, for somebody who's sitting at home, maybe they just got laid off, or maybe they've just realized the priorities in their life mean that they don't want to keep doing the job they've been doing. So, what advice would you give to the entrepreneurial spirit that's just been born inside someone in terms of? Um, making that leap? I mean, do you recommend it? And if so, what would you tell them?
0: I, you know, it's the only thing I've ever known. And I, 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 I don't know if it's just because I don't want to, you know, have a real job or exactly what it is, but I, you know, I like to, to it's, you'll never work harder for less money probably That's uh, right. in, in most cases. Um, you know, I, I was really fortunate in that my art sort of financed everything else that I did after that. Um, but you'll also, you know, you'll never feel more content and more proud of yourself, I think. That's and, right. you know, my, my approach always, other than the restaurant here, I, I got out of my wheelhouse and got myself into a jam here. But um, <laughs> it was, you know, spend as little money as possible getting started. And, you know, sure. whatever, when we started Scratch Labs, you know, uh, the conversation happened of like, well, well what do we do? You know, and I, I said, we, you know, we make 100 pounds of drink mix, and then we sell it, and then we make 200 pounds of drink mix. And, you know, we're not, we're not raising money, we're not, we're not uh, renting sure. space. We worked out of my garage, of course, the standard, you know, it the standard sort of American success, company success story. of Like, we yeah. started in the garage, and we didn't pay rent for this, you know, year and a half. And then we moved to a place that had a leaky roof and all that kind of stuff. And we did all that at Scratch Labs, you know, even though the potential there was, we knew was really big um it's going to take slowly
1: you, and slowly
0: it's going to take longer than you think and uh but it's it's you know if you want to do it there's nothing that's going to stop you um and i think you know i will say this i think you know a lot i mean obviously every thing is different and, and but i i have rarely ex- experienced where sales were the biggest problem with mm. any any small company um when I had that wholesale home furnishings company, we, we represented 20, 25 different companies at a time. And sales was almost never the problem. It was, can you produce it can uh-huh. you it on time? Can you get paid for it? Can you pay me your commission for it so that I can keep selling it? Um, it was almost never that we couldn't sell enough of this product where the, gotcha. you know, it's for businesses. I, I've seen that a lot because if you, if you don't sell a lot, then you don't grow. But if, as long as you sell enough for you, you, know, you don't have to sell enough for 12 employees, right? even though you might want to end up there. Uh, smaller, I, I think smaller is better. I really do. Yeah, know. Running, running lean, running. You got to run lean. You got to run as lean as possible. Uh, or you're yeah. just, you know, cause it's going to take longer than you think to, to, to get the money coming in.
1: I have felt the same way in my businesses, too, so I completely relate, and I also appreciate you sharing that advice because I don't know about other spaces, but in starting one's own law firm, chapter one of every book was go out and take a huge business loan, and that just never sat well with me that you would start off in debt because I think it dictates the decisions that you can make, and it curtails freedoms and liberties and that's that defeats the whole purpose of starting one's yeah, own business
0: i think you're totally right i think if you know going into debt or taking on on uh you know investor partners things like that it just it, you're gonna you're gonna regret it if you don't have mm-hmm. to do it if you absolutely mm-hmm. if it's the only way to do it and you believe in your idea hundred percent then then you can you can take that chance but it's not something i've ever i mean i went into scratch labs alan and ian two of the best human beings that I know on my 47 years on the planet. And, you know, still, uh, you know, we had our struggles um, of being partners and different thoughts and, and sure. things like that. And I love those guys. And so, you know, you got to be careful with, yeah, you know, who you get into business with and certainly yep. never get into business with just because they have money or want to support you. You know, you've got to make sure you're on the same page.
1: Right. Yeah. That's great advice too. Cause it can be tempting to ch- chase the next shiny thing or have someone finance operation, but something feels wrong in your gut, like maybe your values aren't quite in alignment and, um, it's always best to stay true to your core stand and, um, and then make the leap, right. Then just take, take the leap and see where it leads as you've done.
0: I mean, what are the odds odds you invest all your money in a restaurant uh, and the restaurant goes, uh, goes down the toilet. (laughs) And this
1: this crazy virus takes over the world for the short term. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What are the
0: odds? Well, you know, Uh, it's, it is what it is. I'm, I'm healthy. I'll get through it. I'll be fine. And, uh, you know, hopefully most of, hopefully everyone else will be too, but I think Absolutely. right now is, is a really good time to sit back. If you can take a breath and look at the way the world's going to change in the next, you know, three weeks, three months, three years, and, and see if, if something that you are good at or have a passion for is uh, something that you can channel into to some kind of business, obviously online and tech is going to be a, another yes. problem. So,
1: Yes. So what's uh what's one thing what's one prediction you have of one good thing that's going to come out of all this if you had to predict the future?
0: Oh my god. Uh maybe service workers will be uh treated with a little bit more respect.
1: I suspect you're right and teachers too. Yeah,
0: yeah. and and I mean wh- who's I mean who's running the country, right? Who's who's doing the labor, who's really producing the wealth? I mean, I don't want to go down right. this road too far, but uh I don't know if some of these big corporations say, okay, it's safe. Everyone come back to work and everyone says, no, uh, not until you, I don't know. Uh, I'm not looking to start a revolution, but, uh, maybe a
1: little more power to the people.
0: It would Mm -hmm. be nice. It would be nice. I mean, I'm a entrepreneur and all that. And I'm, I'm in this, I'm certainly not in the 1%, but I'm, I'm probably in the, you know, up there somewhere. And so it's a weird place to be, but it's like, man, these people are not, not being treated, treated fairly. This huge corporation cut me out of this big deal. I've got a contract with them, but what can I do? And yet, sure. you know, anyway, now I'm rambling. on. No,
1: no, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. I just saw a post from, uh, I believe actually a mutual friend of ours who owns a couple of restaurants in Boulder. And he was just saying, um, remember that restaurants are where most of us got our first jobs and that right. we Um, We support local communities and charity organizations with gift cards and donations and fundraisers and it's where we teach young people the power of work ethic and, you know, it's like we all sort of take this industry for granted until it's not there anymore. So to your point, I think it's really great that there's going to be some new gratitude and appreciation that comes out of this.
0: Yeah, I hope so. That That would be nice.
1: Any way that you can uh, freeze freeze your tacos and ship them? <laughs>
0: not my tacos. I don't even do my tacos for delivery. Or your pizza. Or your for pizza. Takeout. I don't even do my tacos for takeout because uh, I used to, I got into trouble with this at my other place. Gotcha. I had moved, moved into a takeout sandwich place. And everybody wanted to take out tacos. And I said, no, because they're not going to be that good. I'm sort of, yeah, shades of uh, the Seinfeld uh, soup guy. But gotcha. I just <laughs> want it to be good. That's all. Yep.
1: No, I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's um, better not to do it at all. If it's not going to be the quality that you want to try Yeah, out.
0: I think do it right or don't do it at all. That's, yeah. you know, I don't think I'm a, I'm a human being. I don't need a motto, but like, uh, just do it but right. That's it. It's not yeah. that much harder. It's harder. It's just not that much harder. So I
1: appreciate that. Well, thanks, Aaron. I really appreciate your time. I know you've got some pizzas to make and I hope that you'll be overwhelmed with takeout orders tonight in a good way. And we'll certainly do what we can to spread the word and we'll have a bunch of links up on the, on the site. And when this is launched on Apple podcasts, we'll have all the links there as well. So keep doing what you're doing. You're super inspiring, my friend. I know you're down in the, in the weeds right now, but I'm, I'm really hopeful that you, you've got some brighter days ahead in your new restaurant business. Thank you.
0: I, I, it's all good. We'll, uh, we'll get there. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. It's one day at a time and, uh, you know, that's all you got.
1: Amen. All right, we'll keep smiling and spreading the good word there in Reno and uh, we will round back with you hopefully with a nap with a round two here in the next couple months and we'll see All where right. things are at then.
0: Sounds good, Megan. Take care. Thanks, Aaron. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hopman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.